Section 107 of The United States. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Avai in October 2020. The World's Story, Volume 13, The United States. Edited by Eva March Tappan. Section 107. The Steam Shovel at Panama. By Hugh C. Weir. The idea of cutting the isthmus of Panama by a canal is an old one, discussed as early as 1528. As time passed, it was brought forward by numerous persons, and many surveys were made. In 1878, a French company attempted to cut through the isthmus, spent a large amount of money, and failed. A second attempt was also given up for lack of money. At length, the United States determined to undertake the work. Columbia refused to assent to a proposed treaty for the construction of the canal, and thereupon the province of Panama promptly seceded, and the United States, with equal promptness, recognized the new republic. A treaty was made at once, granting the right to make the canal. The French company was paid $40 million for its property, and the canal was dug. The sanitary conditions of the isthmus had been one of the worst obstacles which the French had had to encounter, but the United States paved the streets, drained the swamps, installed waterworks and built sewers, and was so successful in its attempts to shut out yellow fever, malaria, and kindred diseases that Panama may almost be looked upon as a health resort. The Editor All in, called Peterson curtly over his shoulder. Bending forward, he switched the starting gear into place. The car darted swiftly down the rails, and we were off. We swung past the Culebra station, every moment adding to our speed. The morning air was whipping our faces with a pleasant, invigorating thrill, and the spirit of the swift dash was beginning to take firm hold of us. Peterson slackened his pace as we neared the switch beyond, and hurriedly crossed his hands out over the side of the car, the silent signal to the workmen ahead that he wished to change into the adjoining line. On his side, Jim was duplicating the caution, which was soon to grow familiar to us. It was at White House, a small dot of a station between Culebra and the neighboring point of Empire, that we again swerved our course, and Peterson cried, We are entering the big cut now. Keep your eyes open, Jim. The need of the warning was soon apparent. Within the space of the next eight miles, over one hundred locomotives were backing and switching, often barely grazing each other as they darted to and fro in the swirling mist of their own steam. A collision might come at any moment, even with the experienced hand of Peterson guiding us. Attached to scores of the engines were long rows of dirt cars, partially filled, every moment adding to their great loads of clay and rocks. There are more men killed on the Panama Railroad dodging dirt trains than from any other cause, Peterson grimly informed us, which was pleasant intelligence as we darted down past the bumping rows of swaying cars 
and they darted down past us the motor and the trains really playing an exciting game of hide and seek or prisoner's base the towering walls of culebra cut were now rising above us their great rugged faces seeming to scowl in baffled rage at the army of sweating men below who day by day were ploughing deeper and farther into their sides for centuries these great swollen mountains had defied the assaults of men laughing at their efforts to bore a passage through their rocky ridges and now the men in their turn were laughing at the efforts of the bullying mountains to check their advance have you ever studied the picture of a noted battlefield do you recall the thick clouds of smoke the spurting cannon the stacks of rifles the heaps of dead and wounded men change the field of battle to culebra cut you will see the same thick black clouds of smoke instead of the belching cannon you will find a hundred times more deadly instrument in the giant dynamite blasts the monster steam shovels the great levelers and air drillers are the weapons of warfare and the opposing forces are the armies of men and nature it is not one battle but a series of deadly battles and they are all to the death hundreds of men thousands of men are before and behind and around us black men white men yellow men red men men with their coats and shirts and collars off with grimy hands and perspiring faces and straining shoulders men to whom a dozen different languages might be addressed without finding their native tongues over all tower the great scalding cliffs before you is the constant swirl of brown smoke and on every side the screech of shrill locomotive whistles the hoarse shouts of toiling men the grinding crunch of the steam shovels peterson turned suddenly as we worked our way in between the overhanging cliff walls our speed was but little more than a bare zigzagging crawl and cried crisply we're coming to one of the largest steam shovels on the isthmus do you want to stop in answer to my nod the motor paused and i sprang out on to the ground at close quarters with my first steam shovel if you can imagine pounds magnified to tons and can conceive of a monster iron scoop that can handle these tons as easily as you can handle an ordinary baseball if you can picture such a gigantic machine so cleverly constructed that it is possible for one man to swing the great dipper where and when he pleases you will have a dim framework of the american steam shovel as it is operating at the big ditch can you go a step farther and imagine the man placed in such a position that he is hidden from view the monster scoop seeming to work of its own accord a great rough creature of iron and steel suddenly giving the power of life if you can you will have an even better idea of what the steam shovel really is i clambered across onto the half-filled dirt train beside the motor that i might get a closer view as i did so the iron dipper struck a mammoth boulder half buried in the red clay below 
deeper and deeper its four iron teeth worked their way into the sticky mud at the base of the great stone the boulder suddenly leaned over under the weight of the scoop and then as i gasped it was lifted bodily from the ground wedged tightly between the gaping iron jaws the shovel gave a terrific upward jerk and almost before i realized it the huge stone was being suspended in the air above my head jump shouted peterson from the motor great scott man that boulder weighs twenty tons i didn't wait for additional explanation with the most rapid step i think i have ever made i sprang to the ground and none too soon the next moment the flap of the dipper opened and the boulder dropped into the flat car with a dull thud but it didn't stay hardly had it settled on the clay when it turned on its side rolling ponderously toward the ground the steam shovel wasn't idle however with a slow awkward movement it again swung around its iron edge striking the rock with a force that caromed it sharply over in the other direction and then as though the boulder was suddenly fired with electric energy it plunged off toward the opposite end of the car every instant gathering new force again the steam shovel worked around and this time with a resounding jar dealt the giant slab of granite another blow the boulder's course was abruptly checked but only momentarily a third time it commenced to roll plugging toward the ground with even greater velocity than before it was a thrilling crisis for the layman with a jerk as though it had gathered all of its energies for a final spurt the great shovel pivoted about hesitated as if measuring the most effective spot at which to strike and literally grappled with its granite opponent the boulder's massive strength drew a ringing crash from the iron dipper but it had brought up against an obstacle it could not move it was vanquished slowly the steam shovel withdrew hovering in the neighborhood a moment ready for another attack but the stone was firmly lodged this time the dipper had done its work well how many miles of track would you guess have been laid on the isthmus queried peterson as our car threaded its way beyond a more than usually active row of dirt trains possibly a hundred i suggested he laughed as he shook his head you will have to multiply that number by four and then add some he rejoined there are four hundred and forty-eight miles of rails in panama in a distance of just forty-seven miles in other words we often have twelve and fifteen tracks in a row there are fully this many before us now during a lull in the activity around me i glanced at the cliff above its scarred jagged surface showed nearly every color of the rainbow here was a surface of gray there a bright scarlet hue yonder a line of tan to the left a dark slate color below a flaming yellow the blending outlines of the different strata of dirt uncovered in the ever-deepening excavations there is the famous gold hill to our left explained peterson gold hill i repeated 
the point from which Balboa discovered the Pacific, the chauffeur added. The ocean is twelve miles from here, he continued. You can see it easily on a clear day, but I wouldn't care to have had Balboa's trip to reach it, eh? I wondered curiously what the explorer's feelings would have been could he have pictured the present scene in Culebra Cut. Assuredly, he would have termed the steam shovel a fabled giant lurking in the Panama wilderness like the dragons of old. It was easy to see now that we were approaching the end of the great cut. The cliffs had broken off sharply, and the number of workmen had abruptly lessened. Peterson brought the car to a sudden halt, the turntable was again brought into play, and we were switched off at right angles to begin our circling way back to Culebra through the dark undergrowth of the jungle. End of section 107